1: Spend my dollar. It's not about what you want. It's about what you're willing to do to get it. Run it again. Hello and welcome. I'm not going to. So quit asking. When you give me a hard time. For the listeners that didn't get to go, this is the payback. Alabama wins! What you did last year really doesn't matter. Our goal is to have the kind of team that nobody wants to play. Hi. Right. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Alabama Football Podcast. And folks, have we got a treat for you. We are on the line tonight with Zach and Ryan with the Cincy Slingin' Bearcat Podcast. That's right. We have a Cincinnati uh, podcast that we're going to interview tonight. And uh, this is a special treat because we're doing, we will call it a home and home interview. So they're going to be on our show with us interviewing them, learning about Cincinnati and you need to go out and check out the Cincy Slang and Bearcat po- podcast because they were kind enough to have us on, me on, but us talking Alabama football with uh, with their audience. And uh, I would really love it if uh, if we could show them a good showing by uh, going and downloading their show and uh, helping, helping support what they do. It was a phenomenal con- uh, conversation. Uh, Zach and Ryan were a great deal of fun. And uh, I come away from the conversation and uh, the prep that I did maybe a little bit nervous uh, about the uh, the Bearcats. Uh, we know what Alabama does as the number one seed against the number four seed, but uh, I think this Bearcat team has uh, something for us. Uh, they have an attacking defense, uh, which we know that our offensive line is suspect, and they've got a couple corners over the top that uh, are All-Americans. So that's going to be uh, that's going to be an interesting matchup. And on the other side of the ball, they have a really poised uh, quarterback, a deep receiving core. And we all know uh, Jerome Ford, the, the running back, the former uh, Alabama player. On this episode, we're going to break all of that down. But uh, I hope you'll tune in here. And then uh, I really hope you'll go support them and, uh, and listen to their show as well. With that said, I'm going to kick it over to the podcast. Go. Welcome back, podcast fans. And have we got a treat for you. We've got Zach and Ryan with the Cincy Slangin' and Bearcat podcast. Welcome and thanks for joining us tonight.
2: Thanks for having us, Dave. Yeah,
1: thanks for having us. Did I get, did I get the slangin' right? It felt like it felt like there's a little English I needed need to get into that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you nailed it. You said it as well as I've ever heard anyone say it before. And it is a name that's a bit mysterious. It's not clear exactly what it means, and, and we like it that
1: way. Fantastic. I love. You got to use
3: it. You got to use it in the context of a sentence. Des Ritter slangs the ball all over the field
1: nice I love that I love that well fellas welcome to the playoffs right
2: thank you it feels good sir I know this is this is not maybe this is normal uh, standard operating procedure for you Uh, business as usual but for us this is a huge deal it's something that I'll put myself out there. I thought, frankly, it was impossible going into the season. I talked a lot about how the college football playoff committee does business and that it really seemed impossible for a team in a school like Cincinnati to play their way into the college football playoff, even with an undefeated season. And fortunately for us, I was, I was wrong. We got enough chaos. We got, had a good enough year. And, and now we find ourselves matched up with the, the almighty Nick Saban, Alabama Crimson Tide.
1: Well, I, I, there's a little irony I think you know there were, there were two weeks the last two weeks of the season where i I know that you are actively rooting against us and uh, here in a couple <laughs> of weeks i'll, I'll take I'll take it less personal you'll be reading <laughs> rooting for your team uh as opposed to against us but uh, uh a, a little irony there I thought uh, I thought was a lot of fun talk about and, and we talk about the play I'm so excited that and and for you guys and I want to hear some of that excitement you know from you and and represent the fan base talk about not only the playoffs, but uh, Luke Fickle and sort of his approach to, to building a program. Well, Fickle
2: showed up in Cincinnati. I think it's now five years ago. I think the university actually just sent a couple of tweets about the occasion celebrating the five-year anniversary. It was uh, one of the most
3: uh, awkward, awkward kind of videos that they sent out. Cause like, you no know, one knew who really Luke Fickle was unless like you've been following Ohio state football, you know, knew he was there. And so like, you see him like coming on the campus, not like Oklahoma, you know, or, or I'm, I'm sure that one day when Saban retires, you guys bring in a new coach. You guys are going to have people waiting at the airfield cheering that new coach. Like no one was on that tarmac except for Luke fickle. And like, <laughs> like an
2: awkward, they didn't know whether they were going to handshake or not. Mike bone, like Mike, Mike bone, who just hired Lincoln Riley at USC. Right. So you see, you have we we joked a couple of weeks ago about all these bearcat personalities who have come through the program or in the program, being at the center of the fo- college football universe, um, but he, you know, he took a took an approach to building a program at UC that it has to be different than anything you see in the Big Ten or the SEC or the Big 12. You know, obviously, with with a school like Cincinnati and a conference like the American Athletic, he had to find talent and players and, and, and folks who fit his style of play. You know, a rugged, hard tackling football team that would would be built from defense outward you know, getting faster and more explosive on offense as time went on. But Ohio is a rich and fertile territory for football talent. And because of the size of Ohio state, you would think it's hard to actually get that talent at a school like the university of Cincinnati, but their, their scope and their size and their reach is so broad in terms of where they can recruit and where they can get players from that we could. And Luke fickle could, uh, you know, build out a roster of, uh, you know, players who are predominantly from this region. Hometown heroes is how he, how he branded it. So a lot of the players that you see featured on this Bearcats team are guys who are from Ohio, from Kentucky, Des Ritters, from, from Louisville, Kentucky. I mean, you've got a lot of folks here on this roster who are, who are local to this Midwestern region. Nice.
1: Nice. Talk about uh, Cincinnati's moving to the big 12 here in a couple of years. The playoffs, Luke Fickle. This this is a magical time to be a Bearcat, right? Magical,
3: as we say, it's a great day.
1: A great day be a day. Cincinnati Bearcat. <laughs> nice, I love that. Well, hey, this, uh, let's flip to the field uh, a little bit. Talk about uh, quarterback Desmond Ritter. Uh, he finished number eight in that uh, Heisman balloting, which makes him a top five quarterback nationally. Sixty six percent passer, thirty two hundred yards. He looks uh, appears to be a willing runner. Talk about his game.
2: Well, one stat you didn't mention there that's probably worth pointing out is Des Ritter is now in the top five all time for wins at the quarterback position. He's one of the winningest quarterbacks in the history of college football, came in as a freshman, won the job and hasn't looked back since he's, he's one of these quarterbacks that you just, you, you've you come to trust. He seems to get better as games go along clutch. You know, if you, if you're someone who believes in like making big plays at the right moments, Des Ritter is certainly someone who does that, but it's beyond the intangibles, which are all there. He's a, he's a remarkable leader, a, re- a remarkable young man, but on the field, he's gotten better every single season. And, you know, when last season, if there was, if there was a weakness in his game, it might've been throwing downfield, spent time in the off season going to Jordan Palmer's passing Academy worked on that. And you've seen the Bearcats be much more explosive down the field this season because Des Ritter has improved that accuracy. So he's someone who, who can now throw the ball all over the field. I think he's Mel Kuyper's second rated quarterback for this upcoming draft. He's someone who's going to be picked in the first, probably the first round of the NFL draft, which for a Cincinnati Bearcats quarterback is, is uncharted waters. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think he's, it's, it's a reason that in addition to this defense, we are such a legitimate threat in the college football playoff.
3: In terms of like running, being a willing runner, I would say, that's half true because like we, we actually like it when we see him running more, he seems to get into the rhythm better when he starts running about early and often, but there's at times where it seems, and whether this is, you know, just biased on our part, it seems like the, the coordinators of, of the Cincinnati offense like to try to keep him more in the pocket and save the legs as an escape route, as, as opposed to a primary tool for gaining yards, which is something that we Bearcat fans have been clamoring for more of. You know when we watch when we watch Bryce Young, us you know obviously we're catching some of the, some of those games and you know seeing him just how he he'll use that that ability to get downfield as a way to, not just as an escape route but as a primary tool. So you know maybe they've been saving it for this game. You know maybe this is you know you're not throwing everything all 13 games. You know it's the American. Uh, <laughs> we're just, we're gonna save it all for the end. <laughs>
2: nice. Well, there's truth in that for sure. Like he does tend to run in bigger games. in in games against better competition where the defense is, is going to be tougher Notre Dame. I think you saw him rush 13 or 14 times in that game, Uh, the Houston game. I don't know if we needed it as much. And the ball control was pretty low that game, but against the best competition, Des Ritter tends to
1: use his legs a bit more, you know, and Bryce has become more of a runner late in the season, you know, maybe when Alabama's backs have been against the wall. So uh, it's been a little bit of necessity there. I think he was allergic to the line of scrimmage earlier. So it uh, <laughs> looks like maybe both quarterbacks uh, may, let, may, may let it rip a little bit, uh, running the ball a little more uh, in the playoff. That might be fun to watch.
2: Yeah, I think it makes sense to me, right? I think it, it makes a lot of sense for quarterbacks to protect themselves, to not take risks. If Des Ritter had gone down the season with an injury because of an unnecessary run, you know, we, we'd, be, we'd be really – Really upset about that as, right. a, as a fan base, as a team, as, as a university. So I think him protecting himself was certainly in our best interest. But then there's a time and a place to really cut it loose, and I would say a college football playoff game against Alabama is probably a good time. To yeah,
1: do that. I think I think that makes sense. Well, speaking of running the ball, uh, talk to us about uh, Jerome Ford: 1,200 yards, uh, 6.2 average, 19 touchdowns. An incredible combination size and uh, size and speed. Talk, talk to talk to us, talk to us about Ford. I figured
2: you were going to talk to us about Ford. I mean, this is the national media knows him as former Alabama running back Jerome Ford. That's pretty much the name at this point. It might as he might as well make the legal change happen. But yeah, he's he's a former Alabama running back uh, who, who transferred to the Bearcats. He's been now, this is his second season with the Bearcats, and um in terms of playing. And and so he took over the season for uh dokes who went off to the nfl who was a really solid running back for for the bearcats he he's now on the miami dolphins someone who was really good in pass catching and, and pass blocking jerome ford though, was introduced a brand new element to the offense which is big playability out of the backfield yeah. um, every single time he gets the ball in his hands he's a threat to take it to the house we saw a preview of that and got a taste of it last year in the peach bowl against georgia he's the he's the guy who broke free and ran down the field uh, for I think 75 yards to, to start off the second half in that game. And I, I have a buddy who's a Georgia fan who was watching it and text me and and he was kind of joking and dis- very dismissive of the Bearcats in general, you know, just didn't believe that the talent was there to match up with Georgia, the almighty Georgia Bulldogs. Um, but when, jo- when Jerome Ford broke free with that run, I think I got a text along the lines of, wow, well, he's, he's an athlete. And then the, the, the message back is, yeah, well, he's a legitimate sec athlete, mm-hmm. um, as as was evidenced by his, his time at Alabama, but no, he's he's been dynamic for the Bearcats.
3: So here, here's what I'll say about him: Look at the Heisman voting and go down to number six, Kenneth Walker, the third, and you pull up his stat line at Michigan State, and he's basically averaging 6.2 yards to carry, 18 touchdowns, 1600 yards. He did it on 263 carries. Jerome Ford has 19 touchdowns, averages the same 6.2 per carry, has 1200 yards, and did that on 63 less attempts. Yep. Drone Ford was injured for a game this season, and it's you know a, a, almost two games It season. Like there, there's there were talks him earlier in the season where like maybe he should be being considered, you know, uh, in that Heisman talk. He had a, a one game, you know, a four touchdown game earlier in the season. He's just a he's a monster. He seems to break them loose, you know. Once he gets into the secondary, he can outrun guys with the speed, uh, and so in terms of stopping him, it's it's crucial that you stop him before he gets into that, that secondary. Because if he's getting in there routinely, it's, odds are he's going to be breaking one for, for, a long, for a long run.
1: You know, there are a number of games, or a number of Saturdays, where you know, he was putting up highlight plays. And so watch a little bit of Cincinnati, but certainly watch the highlights and see uh, Jerome Ford you know, running for long, long touchdowns. So I have told my TV several times this season that that's a former Alabama running back. So, that's right. That's our boy. That's right. Hey, let's talk uh, talk about the wide receivers. Uh, it looks like now, just on paper, Alec Pierce seems to lead a, a deep and productive committee. There's eight players with over over 200 yards. Add some texture to that. I'm just looking at the numbers. Add some texture. Who are the names and and different skill sets that Alabama Alabama fans should watch out for?
2: Well, if you look at the statistics on our wide receiver corps, it's not going to look like what you see at Alabama, right? Like when you look at Jamison Williams and you look at John Mechie and the statistics they had, where it's Mechie had 96 for 1142 Williams 68 for 1445. I mean, they're just absurd receiving statistics that said the theme I want, I'm hoping that the Alabama listeners who are less familiar with the Bearcats pick up on is we're not kind of the normal G five team goes on this type of run. This team is, is filled with prospects who are going to be drafted in the NFL. Alec Pierce is another one of those guys. I would say he's, he, he's right now the most special receiver on this team and differentiate, differentiates himself by being a big physical 6'3 receiver that can go up and win jump balls. Des Ritter trusts him um, like nobody else in the end zone, in the red zone. Uh, he's someone he's willing to throw the ball up to and expects him to come down with the ball Uh, Over the over the top corner cornerback. So from that perspective, he's certainly our biggest threat. He's our biggest touchdown threat, uh, our leading receiver by far, and he can really stretch the field with his speed as well. And then to complement Pierce, you have Trey Tucker, you have Tyler Scott, smaller speedsters who who like getting the ball in space and see if especially Tucker, it's a lot of shorter passes uh, to see if he could beat his man and get get some yards after the catch, whereas as Scott is really stretching the field. Um, and is that real downfield threat for the Bearcats?
1: You know, it's, it sounds like a testament, truly, to to Luke Fickle building the program. It's not a hey, we've got a couple of players that that maybe blossomed and and we've backed into something. This is a program that's been built. It sounds like the roster up and down. There's there's a lot of talent, and uh, this is not a, a fly by night thing. This is we saw last year, Cincinnati, and and again this year, Luke Fickle's built something to, to last. It, it sounds like.
2: It certainly is. It, it's a testament to his development. You know, these aren't guys who are four stars and five stars, but they're, they came in as two and three star recruits, uh, but worked, developed, got bigger, got stronger, got faster. And then it's sort of a, a perfect storm of, of, you know, you had this great run last season where they go undefeated in the regular season during a funky COVID year and, and finish just short of beating Georgia in the peach bowl. A lot of times, a team like Cincinnati will then lose the big pieces that made them that special unit. Well, Des Ritter came back. Jerome Ford was there to slide in for the last year, starting running back. Alec Pierce is returning. And then you have tons of returning talent defensively. It was sauce Gardner and Kobe Bryant taking advantage of that extra COVID year, uh, Darian Beavers. There's just so much returning senior junior senior talent on this roster that I really think makes it a very unique group in terms of what you see typically in college football?
1: There may have been at the end of last season, I can neither confirm nor deny. There may have been a moment where I thought to myself, all the, all the talk about Cincinnati maybe should have gotten into the playoffs last year. And uh, I may or may not have said to myself, yeah, let's see him do it again. And here we are. So
3: (laughs) It's funny because everyone, I think outside of Cincinnati had that mentality in everybody inside we call it the 275 loop the highway that that surrounds cincinnati everything outside of it everything the light touches is ohio state country (laughs) everything inside of it is strictly university of cincinnati buckeyes are forbidden we knew we knew this was going to be a special season and you know last year you know it was interesting too because we actually kind of had for the first time in bearcats a long time that next up mentality you know, everybody talks about Georgia, Georgia, they had guys opt out. Well, we basically played this Georgia team this year. So, you know, Dan, we played a great Georgia team, but we had guys that were injured, guys that got kicked out early in the game, guys that made impacts, guys that went to the NFL and it was just next man up. Right. And so that's, it's funny that it's like, that's where we're at this year. We knew what we have and, you know, next year we're, we're still curious to see what we have too you know, we're going to be losing a lot of pieces to the NFL. I think we're, we're looking at six or seven NFL, you know, not necessarily draft on all of them, but we have quite a few guys that are gonna be drafting first, second round guys that are going to make rosters and then guys that are going to you know, slide up right behind them mm-hmm. you know, with these classes that fickles bringing in. So the, the only thing, like I said, the only people I think it wasn't surprised to was us. Yes. I think we actually, we did a podcast. I call them out every time it's Tulane, a Tulane podcast, I think it was, or was it Tulsa? I don't remember anymore because they're, they're such small peons. It was Tulane. It, it was Tulane. Tulane. They, they tried to record something to catch <laughs> us early in the season being cocky. Oh, no. And, and we went through, and like, no one in the American Athletic in this conference is going to beat us. It's not going to happen. And they tried to, yeah, everybody tries to catch us uh, slipping up. And one thing we know better, though, is to not do that against Nick Saban's crew because we don't want to give them any extra ammo.
1: Right, <laughs> right. That, that well, you, guys, you, guys, you
3: guys give us all the ammo to put up in Luke Fickle's locker room.
1: <laughs> ah, no, no, no,
2: Dave. If you want to make some outlandish comments right now about why we don't belong on the, hey, that's a, video, that's on page
1: three. I've got a whole list of them. <laughs> all right, there you go. <laughs> I'll just read them off in here. We've got a
2: direct go. line to Luke Fickle. We can <laughs> send right. the audio to him. That's
1: right. Just go ahead and dial him up. While you know we, we have another minute.
2: <laughs> that's right. Let's get him in.
1: Absolutely. Hey, talk about, the, talk about this offensive line. Uh, when I look at it, uh, it looks like the starters, a lot of redshirt, uh a redshirt Jr. So it looks like a real veteran unit. Talk about the squad up front.
2: So the squad up front is where we probably had the most uncertainty actually coming into the season. It was anchored last year by James Hudson, another guy who went, who went off to the NFL and is now on the Cleveland Browns. He was a dominant left tackle, a transfer from Michigan, A controversial one, actually, because Jim Harbaugh refused to let him get his waiver to actually play that first year and and went on some went on some spiel about about, you know, you can't make exceptions for mental health because what if they're faking it basically? I mean, just classic Jim Harbaugh type stuff. But he did end up playing one year with the Bearcats. He was tremendous, uh, just a dynamic talent, held it down at the left tackle position. and, And he was the one who got ejected in the Georgia game in the first half due to a personal targeting foul. And it really did change the game. You saw Des Ritter not be able to to get time to pass after that. So this year we weren't as certain. Um, but honestly, the unit has held together, I would say, a lot better overall than we expected. But there's some reasons to to believe that would happen. Uh Renfro at center is is a is a I think he was a freshman all American his, his freshman year. He's getting accolades again this season. He's widely regarded as one of the best centers in the country. Uh he sort of anchors that unit. And then you do have some some returning talent and and pieces. Lorenz Metz is an interesting one. He was actually the backup tackle last year to James Hudson, and got obliterated by Georgia in that Peach Bowl. Just again and again and again, whether he was getting beaten by the defensive end or false starts holding, like he just wasn't figuring it out at the tackle position. This year they slid him to guard, and he's been he's been a completely different player. He's six eight. He's German. I might even be underestimating. He might be 6'9", but he's he's an enormous person. Not your typical guard build, but he's just been so much more comfortable there. It's been a natural fit. And so, yeah, all in all, um, it's been a unit that has done a much better job than maybe we originally thought. If there was going to be a weakness in this Bearcats team, it was going to be offensive line. There have been games that have been worse than others, uh, but all in all, it's been a unit that's been quite solid.
3: Quite solid. The only glaring frustration that we have is uh, early in the season they seem to get it worked out for the most part, but it still rears its ugly head every once in a while. They do like to jump off sides. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, we, we play, I know we'll get to the defense. I'm assuming we play the black cats defense as we call it. Sometimes we play the black cats offense a little too much, get a little jumpy uh, especially when, when opposing uh, defenses tend to do a lot of, a lot of switches on the up switching up the gaps that the, the linemen are lined up in right before the snap. Other than that. Yeah. I, 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 I echo what, what Coomer said, Lorenz Metz has been an absolute unit in terms of how he's, he's changed his, his season around from last year. And then another guy that's been outstanding for us is Dylan O'Quinn, a junior absolute monster. And that's the one thing I think that's different about our offensive lines of the past, like, and not to just like, act like we've been here before type thing. But (laughs) I remember when we went down to the sugar pole to play Florida. And this was, I think in 2010, I think it was 2009.
2: 2009. Yeah. 2009, going into and I, 2010.
3: Yeah. And I remember specifically going to that game, and you watch UC's, you know, big East team trot out there and it looked next to the Florida, just like boys versus men uh, in terms of like size. And that's something I think that's different with this UC's different this year with this year's squad. You know, we, I think we got the size up front and at every position to kind of match up well against anybody in the country. And it, I don't think it's going to be so much that that's, that's going to be the issue. Um uh, I just thought I'd point that out because I, I just that was something that stuck out to me at the Sugar Bowl, you know, ten years ago was right. watching these Florida guys come on. I'm like, what do you feed these guys? <laughs>
1: <laughs> right. Well, hey, let's flip uh, flip the field a little bit. You talked about uh, uh, the defense uh, a little bit. It looks like you guys run a lot of 3-3-5. Three, three, just overall, uh, we got some individual names we'll talk through, but overall, how, how would you characterize the scheme? And what are some of the variations you see on the on the Bearcat defense?
3: So you were right. We were, we were running a lot of three down linemen. Uh, most of the season that was kind of a Marcus Freeman type deal where we're, we're relying on, on linebackers to fill the gaps. Uh, as the season kind of went on, there was, there was a common theme against what teams were trying to do to beat us, which was keep the <laughs> offense off the field. Um, keep, you know, they really wanted to keep our defense on the field. And they were doing that just by running the ball, running up the middle, attacking, attacking the three down linemen, uh, so we started actually switching that up towards more at the end of the year. We were running more four down lineman sets, um, ma- making sure that we're, we're kind of stuffing the run. And it, it worked. If you look at the results that we produced over the last three or four games, you know, absolutely to shut down some of the best running teams in the country uh, in terms of you know, ECU and, and Houston, it just absolutely shut them down on, on the run defense side. So, I mean, it's been, yeah, from a scheme perspective, we call it what's called the Black Cats. Basically, it's an we like to play aggressive, and you know, not worry about his mistakes as much.
2: It's it's quite it's quite aggressive, quite opportunistic, and I, we're both glad to see them shift to a more you know just loading the line a bit more to make sure that the team can't beat us running the ball because there's so much talent in the secondary. We'll get to that, I'm sure. Uh, but there's there's guys who can match up and, man, hold their side of the field down, and and essentially let's dare teams to throw the ball. That's been successful for the Bearcats this season. If teams are more aggressive with it, SMU came in with Mordecai uh, as one of the more productive offenses in the country. And he threw for 66 yards against the Bearcats. Mm -hmm. You know, this is, it's a unit that kind of wants you to throw welcomes it and, and kind of thrives when teams are more aggressive against them, as opposed to that conservative ground and pound game, which is why it's, it's a very intriguing matchup against Bama because if we're saying we want to dare you to throw, we want to dare you to throw. Well, there's no team better equipped in the country, I imagine. At least you know, I would say it's probably Alabama or Ohio State in terms of dynamic pass catchers and then a quarterback who can make the throws.
1: we talking about that secondary. There's something of a, a no-fly zone back there. Uh, All-America first team, All-America second team manning the two corner spots. you got to have a lot of confidence there on the back end.
2: It speaks volumes about the team. When the cornerback who won the Jim Thorpe Award, which is for the best defensive back in the country, Kobe Bryant, he's the second best cornerback on this team. Right. <laughs> Sauce Gardner is, is a back-to-back All-American, first-team All-American. Kobe Bryant, this year, finished second-team All-American. Sauce, the, what, what can I don't even know what to say about Sauce at this point. I don't think he's given up a touchdown in his entire career with the Bearcats. He find started- the
3: wood. Find the wood. Knock on it. Don't <laughs> well, <judge this. laughs>
2: well, that's I'm 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 ecstatic for this opportunity for him to go against Jamison Williams. I think that it's a it's a much needed challenge. Most games we described him earlier in the season as the most bored man in college football. It's one of those Champ Bailey type situations. We're not even going to throw to that side of the field. He's long. He's rangy. Great instincts. Great tackler he's just the whole package in terms of what he actually brings to the game. He's going to be a first round draft pick next season. Um, But he's, he really hasn't been tested. The team who tested him the most was East Carolina of all teams. And it didn't work out for them. He made some plays, but this is going to be the biggest challenge of his career with the Bearcats. Um, He's going into a matchup where, you know, I don't think there's going to be any apprehension from Alabama's offense at trying to attack him. Uh, You know, I expect Bryce young to find Jamison Williams, and, and to look for him. And if sauce Gardner is able to continue to do what he's done throughout his entire career, which is be a nuisance, be rangy. He's so long. He makes up ground. He's very fast. If those, if he does a job on Williams, that's sort of the, the, the roadmap to Cincinnati pulling an upset is to actually see this secondary do a number on, on Bryce, Bryce young.
1: It's a good recipe, you know, attack the front and then coverage in the back. And there's, you know, potential couple of, couple of weaknesses there, you know, for the Alabama squad. So I, so I really do, for you guys, I really do uh, like that matchup. Talk about the linebacker, Joel. Uh, hopefully I said this right, DeBlanco. He looks like central casting linebacker, right? Uh, leads the team in tackles, 6'3", 240, five and a half sacks, got an INT in there. I mean, is, is he the, again, from a distance, he looks like he might be the heartbeat of the defense. Talk about his play.
3: Well, the talk, the talk about the linebackers, we, we actually want to start with, with one man on the defensive line, my Jay Sanders, and and I'm backing into this. Cause my Jay is such a, if you look at his stats, he doesn't have any because he gets double teamed every single play, which leaves linebackers just able to feast. And so DeBlanco has definitely, definitely take advantage, taken advantage of that. But we have, we have a linebacker core. That's, that's pretty strong. All of our, You know, actually when you look at, I think what a one of Luke Fickle's like famous what he's kind of famous for was inventing a defense where you see the three linebackers in the in kind of like the different the three different linebacker positions. And in it was funny because when he came to UC, he tried to implement it his first year and they they couldn't do it because we didn't have talented enough linebackers. And then Marcus Freeman comes in, we get a free recruiting classes in. And now we got we got guys like uh, Darian Beavers, we got guys like Joe DeBlanco, you know, we got the De- guys like Deshaun Pace. All these guys that can play incredibly well at that position. But yeah, DeBlanco, he's just kind of he's everywhere, man. <laughs> You'll see him everywhere, involved in every play, every tackle. He's just uh, he, he's a beast.
2: Uh, the central casting description is perfect because I would once you're watching him play, that's exactly what it is. You know, he's he's just got that look to him throwing his body around, sacrificing it. I, you know, he led the team in tackles, finished with, I think, 106 tackles, five and a half sacks, got an interception in the championship game against Houston. He, he makes big plays at the right time. He's he's certainly probably going to be the leading tackler in this game against Bama just because he's always the leading tackler. So right. I love the central casting comment. If you're looking at, like, a movie, a, a made-for-TV movie of, about a football team, Joel DeBlanco's your guy.
1: That's who you want. Fantastic. <laughs>
3: That interception that he had was probably one of my favorite I've ever seen. Like he just like the quarterback just they didn't they didn't see him, they didn't even know he's there. And it's like he just jumped up like jaws catching a like a shark catching an unsuspecting seagull, just grabs the ball out of the air and, and just I'm like what just happened? <laughs> nice. I think nice. we had
2: we had a few jokes with some friends about him though, too, because he's going so hard all the time. There's those situations where a ball carrier is getting tackled. And, you know, the play is pretty much done. It's, it's getting ready to be whistled dead. Joel DeBlanca will come from behind the play and tackle the, the ball carrier, but it's actually tackling him forward. And you're like, come, Joel, <laughs> take it down a notch, buddy. Like you're giving him an extra two yards here with these tackles.
1: Right. Backwards the other way. Right. Fantastic. Wait, right, let me get you out of here on an easy one. Uh, favorite Bearcat this season, all time. Who, 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 who do you got?
2: I'm letting Hummer take this one first.
1: You know. I
3: have to go right now. God, all time. I mean, that's tough. If you go all time, it's definitely the Kelsey brothers. They're they're in my mind. The the God's gift to to the NFL in terms of their <laughs> their uh, star power. You know, whether it's making the ice luge or their comments about we're from Philadelphia and no one likes us. Uh, but this team, Des Ritter, like I just love his post game. His like his when he's emotional and he's post game, he has this like raspy voice. Yeah, and like if you listen to his post game comments after normal games, he's always like, you know, Mister Cool Calm, like you know the team, the blah, the blah. And then you see him after the AAC Championship game, and all bets are off. It's like we're the greatest. This is awesome, right. Coach Fig, my teammates. This is the this is the happiest moment of my life. Like it is just he just I love like the energy that he brings to it, the passion, and uh and the fact that he like his like so. You're gonna see this guaranteed they will talk about this because everybody has that he has a how old is his daughter now like six
2: months something like that yeah she's something under like a year that. old
3: yeah she like she's at all the games she's down on the post field celebrations he's holding his you know holding his little girl on the on the field, so i mean he's a, he's a character I like him <laughs>
2: nice those are good nice. choices i I mean you can't go wrong with the kelsey brothers from from a fame standpoint from an entertainment standpoint um you know, Hummer's got a little bit of an affinity for Jason Kelsey due to his Philadelphia ties and playing for the Eagles. I think, I think Travis is, is hilarious and, and his game speaks for itself. He's certainly up there for me, but I'm going to go a different route. I'm actually going to say my favorite all time Bearcat football player would be Connor Barwin. Um, came to Cincinnati as a tight end originally and also played basketball. I believe it was his freshman year. Um, It was Mick Cronin's first year coaching the basketball team. And they were so low on bodies that they needed to go to the football team. And and I think it was contact uh, Brian Kelly at the time looking for, looking for options. And so he he played a year of basketball, which was, was awesome. You know, he's just a, a bruiser down low, but then he turned himself into an awesome edge rusher that made the NFL made, made huge contributions to his community. I think he's still a big, big presence in the, in the community of Philadelphia yeah, he's someone who I just loved watching play. Loved his vibe, loved his aura, and so that's probably my all-time favorite Bearcat football player.
3: You don't want to, you don't want to tell the our friends Mac story about him.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm going to let Dave's podcast remain a little bit more classy. But there have been stories told about about Connor Barwin's college shenanigans back in the day.
1: Fantastic.
2: That's All good. good. Nothing. Nothing.
3: That. Nothing on the. Uh, nothing on like the uh, the scale of Ben Roethlisberger. These are classy stories. Classy you know? <laughs> stories. Nice. Yeah, I, not Ben Roethlisberger-esque. Not. <laughs> not.
1: Fantastic. <laughs> hey, gentlemen, this has been a phenomenal conversation. I appreciate you hopping on with us. Uh, great insights on the Bearcats. And uh, definitely look forward to, to meeting up with you guys uh, later this month. And thanks for joining us tonight. We really appreciate it. I
2: appreciate it. Thanks, yeah. Dave. I, I This was a blast having you on. And uh, thanks for not asking us about our kicker. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Look, Very good.
3: Here's all I'll say about the kicker. If if the Bearcats are on the 20 yard line, we're down by two, and it's fourth and 23. Guarantee you are throwing the ball. <laughs> nice, <laughs>
1: fantastic, fantastic. Hey, i, I I'm, our punter is suspect, so uh, we might uh, we might go forward on uh, some fourth downs too. So something uh, something to watch out for, guys. It's been a great conversation. Look forward to the game coming up.
2: Thanks, yes. Dave. Appreciate Take it. Take care. Thank you.
1: And we're back. I told you that was a great discussion. Zach and Ryan were certainly a lot of fun and uh, good sports. And just it was phenomenal uh, talking football, uh, talking Cincinnati football, Alabama game matchup. I will tell you the interviews that we've done this season. I hope you've enjoyed them because they've been so much fun. Uh, to do. Started the season a little trepidation uh, about doing these, but uh, they've been so much fun. We've met so many interesting people. Uh, and I feel like I have these new sort of this new circle of football friends. Uh, and Zach and Ryan are certainly right in the middle of that. Great conversation with them. Certainly hope that uh, that you enjoyed it. Looking forward to the game coming up here at the end of the month. There's a little bit of an announcement that, that I want to make And uh, I was kidding with our producer when it rains, it pours. But in a good way, we're doing a double header on Cincinnati uh, interviews. We reached out to a couple of people. It's something we do, we reach out to, to more than one group because sometimes we struggle getting someone. And so we've actually had two folks with Cincinnati correspond with us and what we want to do is is we want to talk to as many people about as many football games as absolutely we can and so we are certainly uh in in uh, good fortune to have uh two of these interviews and so the next one we'll release a little bit later we're going to release this one first uh we met with these guys first great conversation and uh but we're going to interview uh with with another show that'll be another home and home so we'll interview them and then they'll interview us and have a show post over there and uh, we'll get all the details out on, on that show. But both of these interviews tonight was phenomenal, and tomorrow night's going to be phenomenal. And uh, we really appreciate you, uh, our listeners. And we hope that you go check them out, uh, visit their, you know, wherever they are on the socials, and uh, certainly their podcast. Download it, bump their numbers, and uh, give them good reviews because. We appreciate uh, all that they're doing to support college football, Bearcat football, and, hey, having us on, they are supporting Alabama football, and we certainly appreciate that. All right, enough rambling from me. Thank you all. And uh, as far as I can tell, this has been another edition of the Alabama Football Podcast. Roll Tide. Thanks for listening to the Alabama Football Podcast. We love that you're tuned in and hope that you enjoyed the show. We encourage you to reach out and let us know what you like, where we can improve, or just to shout out a Roll Tide. We are where you are. iTunes, Facebook, Twitter, email newsletters, T-shirts, free roster downloads, and, of course, on the web at alabamafootballpodcast.com. Check us out where you'll find easy links to your favorite way to follow the Tide. Got that, Coach? Of course. Roll tie.